the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at PastorScott at KKLA.com or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. And now, here's Pastor Scott. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. It is Open Line Friday. 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. It's still Shohei Otani watch in the baseball world on uh, who he's going to sign with. And I'm laughing. We came out laughing because I just looked in to see if you haven't followed. Uh, it's a baseball thing, but who's going to sign probably the greatest player that there is right now, Shohei Otani. And uh, there are, I guess, one of the people in the, in the uh, running is the Toronto Blue Jays. I'll be stunned if that's where he goes. But... Uh, somebody at the airport who they thought was him getting off a private jet got surrounded, I guess, by a bunch of press and everything, and it's not him. Uh, that's, that is the thing, I guess, going on in the sports world today. But uh, for some reason, that whole thing made me laugh. 888-528-2557, uh, open line Friday. And uh, Chris, I'll take your call here in just a second. He's been on hold for a while. Um, you know, it's Christmas time and, you know, keeping it, uh, we'll do whatever subject you want today. Okay. We can talk about the news. We talk about something we didn't get to earlier, maybe something earlier in the week that you wanted to talk about. And we didn't get to it. Today is the day to talk about that. 888-528-2557. Maybe you got a Bible question, something like that on your mind. Any subject, 888-528-2557. Um, I'll throw out a subject for you. What is your favorite Christmas movie and why? Like, what is your favorite Christmas movie? Maybe you've got a family tradition, something you'd like to watch with your kids, <clears throat> something that just speaks to you. What's your favorite Christmas movie? 888-528-2557 is the number. It's Open Line Friday. We'll talk about whatever it is you'd like to talk about. Chris in Whittier, welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. Hey, Pastor Scott. I've got a question. I mean, this is Open Line Friday, right? This is probably as obscure and a hard left turn from what you've been talking about. That's what today is about. We'll just, you can change the subject on Open Line Friday. <clears throat> yeah, so everybody put their neck brace on. So um, <laughs> what I'm asking about is matching funds. Okay. Every Christian ministry on the radio, you know, they all need money. I totally get that. And they all ask for giving. I totally get that. But every single one of them, oh, and by the way, a generous donor will match every dollar, dollar for dollar. And I'm thinking, how can this be possible? The fact that every ministry does it just kind of smells a little fishy to me. Like, why not, you know, match every dollar with a million dollars? Maybe there's somebody back there that just, you know, they take whatever donations they have. They say, I'll match that donation with the donation they just gave yesterday. So kind of like a Ponzi scheme in reverse or something. <laughs> you know, if there, is there a logical explanation with this? There is. I can even, I can talk about that. So, you know, something, uh, we do those fundraisers sometimes on the radio about, uh, not quite once a month, but, uh, 
often, and sometimes, not every time, but sometimes we have a matching fund, right? And the last one we did last month, the person doing it actually was in the studio, which I really enjoyed that because it's usually somebody you don't know. You know, I guess if you ask them, they'll probably tell you. But sometimes they do it anonymously, so they can't tell you. Um, we had somebody come in who's doing it because what happens – and I was on a board for a camp in uh, California, and there was a guy on the board who always did matching gifts whenever it was time for fundraisers. And he had a lot of money. And so a lot of people who give a lot, a way that you can help generate more giving is you offer the matching funds. You say, I'm going to give, I'm going to double up to $10,000 or whatever amount that people give during a certain period of time. Uh, And that's what this gentleman did who was on our show uh, last month for a fundraiser we did for uh, Africa Renewal Ministries. And uh, the camp I was at, the board member, he would always do that. So you know, once a year, there'd be a fundraising letter go out to people on the list. And it would, I don't remember if the letter, I don't think the letter ever said his name, but I know who he was because he was on the board. And that was his deal. Every, every year he did that. He would say, I'm going to, I'm going to give, I'm going to double the amount up to a certain amount. And it was pretty generous. I want to say 10 or $20,000 most of the time he would do. And so the, the trick is, is if uh, people don't give, then you only get, you know, he's willing to give 20, but if they only raise 10, then he only gives 10. So it's an incentive on the whoever the development people are for the nonprofit to go out there and let people know to do the hard work uh, to raise the money. Uh, and it's an incentive for people who like to give who said, you know what, I can't afford very much, but I can give 100 bucks, And if that turns into 200 bucks, that's great. So well, it must work because every single ministry uh, plays that card. It just seems odd to me that every one of them has people that are – and basically what I see is I see, no, no, I'm not going to give you that money because you didn't get the other, you know, the matching funds, so I'm not releasing my money to you. I just wondered, does that really happen? You know, that's an interesting question. I don't, I, I, I don't know that I've experienced it where they just cut it off, but I would say that it probably does happen because my wife uh, has been a fundraiser. She used to be the director of development for the Coronado Historical Association in Coronado, California, and she was the executive director for the American Liver Foundation in San Diego for a long time. And those roles are are fundraising roles. And in just about every major organization, there's probably a handful of very large givers who give a lot, uh, sometimes in the millions of dollars. Um, it's a whole different thing asking those people for money than it is asking you and me for money. You know, we're going to give because we think God's leading us to give and we do that and, um, we, or we hear the, you know, the, the plight of whatever that nonprofit is trying to, to, to do. And maybe, you know, in her case, like in the liver foundation case, if you've got liver disease in your family, you're a lot more inclined to give to the liver foundation over the heart association, for example, right? Um, in Christian ministry, you know, you might give because you have a heart for people who live in Africa, but you might be more likely to give if it's a uh, homeless person ministry, right? Uh, mm-hmm. In almost every one of the, the larger organizations, not so much with the smaller ones, but the larger organizations, there's probably somebody who does that, who says, oh, see, and if you approach those givers, they usually want to see your financials and they want to know who is sending out the letters. And the way they see their giving often is an incentive to help you raise more. So they say, I'm going to give you a million dollars. I'm going to match up to a million dollars. 
But what they're doing is they're saying to your organization, uh, I'm challenging you to go raise a million dollars from elsewhere so that I'm not the only giver. You know, it's it's kind of some people have the attitude of I don't want to be the one keeping you guys afloat. I'm going to pass away one day or maybe I'm going to change my mind on where I give my money. Right. If I care about the organization, I want it to have more donors. And uh, so that happens. Uh, So. Has there ever been a scam with that? I suppose, but uh, it is a very, very common thing. I would say every large nonprofit I've ever worked with has that. I've had people do it at, for church stuff. I'm going to give a thousand dollars to camp scholarships matching. If other people give a thousand, then we got two thousand. And I would say a lot of those people will not give it if you don't raise it, mm. uh, because if they do, if they just go ahead and give it anyway, then they're communicating. I don't really have to work hard to raise the money. I'm going to get the money anyway. Right. So I would say that people it's a different world when you have that kind of money to give away. Um, You know, Joan Kroc, you remember she was Ray Kroc's wife. Uh, She Ray Kroc uh, made his money on the uh, McDonald's Corporation. Yeah. Uh, He passed away. She inherited all the money. And I think it was billions with a B. Her job was to sit in a chair and people would come to her house and ask for money. So she did all day. And. You know, she. my recollection is that uh, she was pretty brutal with giving or not giving. She was totally generous. I think she gave away almost the whole fortune. I think most of it went to the Salvation Army. Um, but she. it's not willy-nilly. It's you better work hard for this. You need to earn this. And that's good for the organization you're giving to. So I think most of the people who do this kind of thing, it's actually meant to be a very good thing to help that organization get better organized uh, work hard to raise the funds for what they have, and they want them to spend the funds correctly, right? So you can go online now and you go to like Charity Navigator, um, and you can actually read about a lot of charities. Now, small charities may not be turning in their financials, and it's harder to do, but big charities, they they get a better rating if everything they do is uh, exposed, right? If they're uh, there's an organization called uh, Evangelical Council for Fiscal or Financial Accountability, ECFA. And, right. you know, it's hard. It is difficult for an organization to get that stamp because they come in and they examine all of your, your giving. They examine how you're spending it and in what way. And you have to fill out all this paperwork. You can be a great organization and still not qualify for that. Um, well, I really appreciate you putting the light on in a – what seems like kind of a mysterious thing. But, you know, I've been playing this card with my son. It's Christmas, and I've been telling his mom he needs to get some underwear. And every pair of underwear you give him, I'm going to donate one of my old pairs of underwear to my son and see how he likes that. Is that an incentive for your son there? or <laughs> Maybe you should tell your wife, for every new pair of underwear you get for my son, I will throw away one of my new pair, my pairs of underwear, or I will get that a might- new one myself. That might work better. (laughs) That might work a little better for you. Anyway, I hope that's helpful. I think that's a great question because, you know, I happen to just be because of what my wife's done and because of some things that I've done as a pastor and as a radio host in in the industry of raising money and nonprofit, uh, you have to work really hard to to do that. And when you have a, a big donor who who pushes you to work hard, it's a good thing for everybody. I agree. All right. Hey, Chris, thank you for calling. You're right. You interesting, bet. interesting take, but that's what Friday is, right? And open line Friday. 
Merry Christmas. All right, Merry Christmas. 888-528-2557. It is Open Phone Friday. You never know what you're gonna what you're gonna earn, learn here on uh, the Pastor Scott Show on Open Line Friday. Uh, you know, uh, some people will donate like a piece of art to a museum anonymously. Whenever you see that, go to a museum. There's a piece of art there, and it says "Donated Anonymously." Go up to the front desk and say, uh, "Hi, I'm the one. I'd like it back now." You know, it turns out they it's not as anonymous as you think. <laughs> It turns out they know actually who owns that piece of art. I do that every time, though, I go in and my wife goes to another direction because she knows what I'm doing. But uh, it's funny because sometimes you go up to the desk at the museum and there's, you know, somebody working there just who's only there to hand out tickets. And you say, yeah, see that piece of art over there uh, donated anonymously? Uh, I'm the one and I'd like to take it home today. And they look at you like, are you serious? And sometimes they buy it and they'll go get the you know, the museum curator or whoever and, and then they'll she'll go, you're not the one. Well, I thought I'd give it a try. 888 <laughs> Everybody's going to try that now. Every museum now in uh, Southern California today, somebody's going to go in there and say, I'm the one. I'd like it back now. You're going to say, Scott Furrow told me I could do this. Scott Furrow told me the past. Do it. You know, Pastor Scott show. 888-528-2557. What's your favorite Christmas movie? Do you have a favorite Christmas movie? Uh, 888-528-2557. That is one possible topic for today. 888-528-2557. We haven't done this for a little while, but we do have, if I can get my my cursor in the right place here, uh, we have the absurdity of the week. Hey, what happened? That's terrible. There are so many things that uh, happen this week, and it's uh, you know preparing for the show when there's so much news and so many things going on. We want to look at news from a, a Christian perspective. You just can't get all of it in. And uh, the biggest story, of course, this week was the testimony on Capitol Hill with the university presidents um, who can't figure out uh, what anti-Semitism is. And uh, we talked a lot about that this week. But another uh, set of testimony happened on Capitol Hill, and it happens to be about Title IX. And Title IX is the federal law that uh, requires schools to provide women's sports, okay, effectively, uh, and other things. Well, the Biden administration wants to change Title IX so that you cannot discriminate against uh, trans people who want to participate in women's sports. So it's very controversial, obviously, that a a biological male would be joining the women's swimming team or the women's, you know, bicycling team. There was a guy who won a bicycle race recently, and he won by so far in the women's bicycling that he had basically won, got in the shower, and uh, came back out in his uh, dress clothes or something before the second place player came in, right? I mean, it's, it is a shocking thing that this is going on. Well, this testimony happened on Capitol Hill this week uh, in favor of allowing biological males or trans men to, to – is that how it goes, trans men, trans women? Anyway, biological males to participate in women's sports. And success in school sports depends on a whole range of factors, including how hard you work and coaching and access to really good resources and facilities. And trans students participate in sports for the same reason as their kids, because it is fun because it creates belonging and community, because it teaches so much about persistence and leadership and, and discipline, unless they learn to lose gracefully, hopefully. And often they learn to win with dignity, hopefully. Um, they learn to do the sort of work that means you have higher grades and stay connected to school. 
I want every kid to have that chance, to have the chance to play. That is Fatima Goss-Graves, and uh, she is the president of the National Women's Law Center, who is on Capitol Hill, who is encouraging women. The context of that conversation, she's encouraging biological women to learn to lose gracefully to transsexual competitors. Like, that is her testimony. This is the absurdity of the week. Because what she makes the argument, this is the argument. The argument is in sports, the argument in favor of letting biological males participate in women's sports and who most of the time win. And they can't win against the men, but they can go in and win against the women. The argument being made is that, hey, there's always advantages and disadvantages that people have in sports, right? There's people who are naturally gifted uh, more who succeed better in a sport, and there's people who work harder to succeed better in a sport, and that the idea of a man participating in women's sports, it's really the same, that they have natural advantages and that women should just learn to lose gracefully. And success in school sports depends on a whole range of factors, including how hard you work and coaching and access to really good resources and facilities. Now, that's true, that whole part there. Your success in sports has a lot to do with access to good coaches and good facilities and all of that. And the argument is being made that there's no difference biologically between a male and a female in sports. And the Title IX changes that are being proposed that have not gone through yet. It got proposed actually uh, a couple of years ago, and it keeps getting pushed back. It's now pushed back to at least March of next year. It may never happen. Because there's a lot of objection from women and women in sports and families now in sports. And it is becoming uh, a very common thing now all of a sudden that a biological male, who sometimes people question whether they're really trans or not or even dealing with that, participates in women's sports. Do you think it's the same? Do you think it's the same thing? So the argument being made, and I think this is the absurdity of the week, the argument being made is that women should, biological women, should recognize that some people just have advantages, right? If you're a basketball player and you're taller, you have advantages most of the time over people who aren't as tall as you. You just do. There, now, we had a guy in my high school basketball team who was seven feet tall. Now, his skills were not that good. So that's the funny part is he would go out there on the court and he was intimidating to look at because he was huge, but he was not very good at basketball. Um, but because of his height, he was still an asset to the team, both for intimidation purposes and because of his natural height. He had more ability because of that height than uh, maybe his natural ability. There might have been players on the team who might be better than him um, with from a skill standpoint, but his height was a great advantage. There are always people with advantages, even in, in professional sports. There are people who work really hard to make it, and then there are people who are just natural. The baseball player Ted Williams they say, and he may be one of the greatest hitters of all time. You know, usually people will say Ted Williams or they'll say Tony Gwynn. There's a few people who are just incredible hitters. They say that that Ted Williams had the eyesight that was so unusual that if you took a marker or a pen and wrote a number on the ball and you're the pitcher and then you pitched it, that he could tell you what you wrote on the ball. That's how good his eyesight was. And that is a natural ability. You cannot... Uh, you cannot fake that, right? That you can't, you can't learn that. You can't make your eyes do what Ted Williams' eyes could do. That's a natural ability. Is that the same thing 
as saying that a trans player, a biological male, who goes to play in women's sports, who then has this biological physical advantage, is that the same? That's what we are being led to believe, according to Fatima Goss-Graves, the president of the National Women's Law Center. And success in school sports depends on a whole range of factors, including how hard you work and coaching and access to really good resources. And, and also whether or not you're a male or a female. The entire purpose of Title IX federally is because there weren't women's sports because the men dominated. And it says, no, no, you have to have girls' teams, too. Facilities. And trans students participate in sports for the same reason as their kids. Because it is fun. Because it creates belonging and community. Because it teaches so much about persistence and leadership and, and discipline. Unless they learn to lose gracefully, hopefully. And by they, in the context, it's the they, the women who are complaining about this. See, I think no one is saying that trans kids shouldn't participate in sports. And they're saying that you shouldn't, you should be in your biological gender. Well, if you are a, a male and you are transitioning into a woman, you're probably doing things that, that hinder your, uh, your skill level because you're taking hormones and stuff. But you're still a biological man. You still have those advantages over women who can never have what you have. It just doesn't work. Anyway, that's the absurdity of the week. It's Open Line Friday. We'll talk about whatever it is you want to talk about. Dan and Bob and Ted and others will get to your calls as the Pastor Scott Returns right show, as the Pastor Scott or the Pastor Scott show returns after the break. You can follow me on social media, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, X at Pastor Scott Show. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at pastorscott at kkla.com or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. Now, back to the show. What have we lost our minds? I sat here and listened to every every label imaginable. I, I am here to protect women, girls. My God, why do I have to apologize for that? We spent decades trying to protect women. And you know what? We won. We won. So I will not apologize now or ever for trying to protect my daughters and women in sports. And that's what this hearing was about protecting women. So you know what? I am a woman, and let me tell you, hear me roar, because I will not stop protecting women. You want to know why? Because we have rights, too. Women have rights, too. And our daughters have rights, too. That is Congresswoman Lisa McLean from Michigan, and uh, she was chairing a a um, House uh, panel on... Uh, Title IX that is set to be changed to allow for uh, trans women or biological men to participate in women's sports. And so her side of the argument is it's going to ruin women's sports. And uh, But the testimony that we played before the break was that women just need to get over it be- and get used to losing. Uh, you know, uh, it's just a crazy time. Anyway, that was the absurdity of the week. It's Open Line Friday, so we'll talk about that or we'll talk about whatever it is you would like to talk about. <laughs> 888-528-2557 is the number. Let me get to the phones here. Bob in Rancho Cucamonga. Welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. Hey, Pastor Scott. I wanted to weigh in on this 
trans. <laughs> do, the, do the women just uh, have to get used to losing the guys? Is that what needs to no, happen? No, this, no, no. This is this total insanity. I mean, it's just absolutely insane. I mean, what about trans women entering Special Olympic sports? What about that too? Because they, I mean. You know, the, the Olympics, normal? I think, have finally said no. If you remember last time, the Summer Olympics will be the next year. We'll see what happens. But last time there was a, a, a male, biological male weightlifter in the women's department, women's category, yeah. but suffered an injury, so didn't really participate. So we don't know how that would have turned What I'm saying, Dr. Scott, is check this out. What if I pretend I'm uh, mentally... Uh, you know, retarded or whatever the word they use now, Down syndrome, whatever. I just, I just feel that way. I feel like I have Down syndrome. Therefore, I want to participate in Special Olympic sports, even though I'm actually totally normal. Well, as, I mean, well, as, what would stop somebody from getting into that? Well, in the in the way that the arguments go, and when you follow sort of the critical theory behind all of this. Uh, the answer is nothing. That's actually coming up pretty soon. If you want to identify as somebody with uh, what we would today maybe say has a certain disability, which maybe is a, you know a word, ableism yeah. is yeah. the next is one of the next things. Ableism is that everything you just said is is wrong, not just terms, but that there's there that we need to treat somebody with a disability the same in every possible, even physical way, as somebody without that disability. And it goes to the craziest part of saying, you know, we, in fact, what we're seeing now in that world, philosophically, and this sounds crazy, is that if you are a deaf person, for example, you should not get the cochlear implant to allow you to hear, because somehow you are an ableist by saying that you are somehow less valuable because you're deaf, which isn't what you're saying at all. You're just saying, I'd like to hear. Um, one of the, you know who uh, Mr. Beast is? You you yep. might you might need to have like little kids or grandkids, but Mr. Beast is a YouTube personality who's making millions and millions of dollars on his YouTube videos. Lots of kids watch these, uh, and Mr. Beast takes some of that money, and he does charity work. And he went to uh, I forget what country he went to, and he helped a thousand. Am I right? You know about this? Is it a thousand kids? Where do you go? Uh, he's done it a couple yeah, times. I'm here. He's done it a few times. So I'm talking to Wilbert about this. Uh, uh, oh, yeah, yeah. He went to these countries and he's helping kids see, learning how to to see, and they get surgeries or LASIK or whatever. He is being harshly right. criticized for that work because who is he to say that these kids are better off being able to see? See that that goes even beyond the women in sports issue. That's the ableism issue, and it's crazy. Now, we should not, and we should do everything we can as a society to help people who can't see or to help people who can't hear or to help people who have different physical uh, disabilities to be able to get around. I think it's a good thing, you know, in the intersections that they've got the sound effects now and they've got the little dips for people who might be in a wheelchair or something. All that is a good thing, right? You can you can take public transportation. There's great things we're doing as a society to help people. But I'm telling you, if you can't walk and you have the ability to get a surgery to walk, you're not doing something wrong by getting that surgery. But that's what's being taught. Uh, well, so, Pastor, what about the what, Pastor? What about the idea that you know? Okay, maybe they have their own division. So if you identify as trans, you got a trans Olympics, or you got your trans sports, or whatever, 
and separate women over <laughs> here, trans identify with that. That's that division. Then you have men over here. Well, some people have Why proposed that. Always... Yeah, some people have proposed that. But see, it's the argument isn't really about sports or fairness. The argument is a trans woman is a woman. And if I create a third option, then I am betraying the argument that I'm really making. The argument I'm really making in that world is if I'm a trans woman, I'm 100% woman. Or if I'm a trans man, I'm 100% man. Even though your DNA, everything doesn't work. You know, if you're a trans woman, you're, you know, you're still going to have to go get your, uh, your prostate checked at a certain time. Uh, but yeah, okay. so the reason that won't happen is because it's not about that. It's about disrupting the what critical theory would right. say is just a social contract, that it is a, a construct, the difference between men and women. And it's not scientific. It doesn't make sense. Everybody can observe that's not true. But that's the, that's the world that we're in. It's a big deal. Bob, I got, want to go on to some other calls here. 888-528-2557. 888-528-2557. Dan in Monterey Park. Welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. Hi, Pastor Scott. Um, yeah, I just want to call um, to talk about uh, waste in government. You talked earlier this week about it was like $67 million spent to house 250 homeless That's right. In Los Angeles, the uh, the specific plan for housing the homeless, um, uh, we've spent almost $68 million to house, permanently house 255 people. Yeah. <laughs> and then I read also this week the federal government has spent $7.5 billion for EV stations, and not one has been built. I heard that, too. Like, <laughs> none of them have been built. Zero. And, you can't have everybody that, have an electric car. Even if you just gave everybody an electric car, it doesn't work if you don't build the stations. Right. Uh, but, and there's so many yeah. other things, and I can go on and on. You know, I got one that really bothered me is when they found the drugs in the White House. And you can't tell me they don't know who did it. I mean, with all I'm the, sure they, they the surveillance. Know. But, and, you know, the, the waste in government is just getting worse and worse. And worse. Yeah, and this is why we need to pray and to keep in mind that our, our salvation does not come from Washington. Amen. Yeah. And Matt. that's why the, the verse I just wanted, which I'm sure you are many familiar with, uh, Isaiah 9 6, where it tells us that the government will be on the Lord's shoulders one day. And how wonderful that will be. You know? It will. It, it <laughs> will. We won't have the corruption and the waste. And It's part of uh, the. Uh, you know. Yep. Part of the hope that we have at Christmas. All right, Dan, uh, thanks for calling Pastor Scott Show, 888-528-2557. Ted in L.A., welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. Pastor Scott, Ted City of the Angels, thank you for always giving me a voice. Um, My question would be, um, would it be fair uh, for a biological man to know whether uh, it's a woman or a man if they want to marry this person? And if they seem to think that they can get away with it and lie, what happens if I want to have a kid? And I want to have a kid that's not a donated embryo. Right. I want that, it with that. In the whole conversation, Ted, it's, it is an interesting uh, thing there because there are people who say, no, you don't. I'm, since I'm actually a woman, if I have transitioned, you don't get to know that. And that's crazy. Uh, uh, it's crazy. So, but it's, it's once again, the goal is from the the critical theory, okay, gender queer theory and that kind of stuff, is not really a person's, an individual's enjoyment or an individual's even care because they have gender dysphoria or other thing. The goal 
is to destroy any difference there is between men and women, biologically or 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 other. And it seems like that doesn't make sense, but to the side who's pushing that, to the theorist who is saying that all of it is a social contract, then that side, the extremist side, most extreme side would say that, no, you don't have a right because if you're going to date this person um, – they are a woman in every way. Well, and that does, it's also, not real. And now, obviously, from the standpoint of relation, because one of the arguments that happens is, why won't people date me? I'm a, I'm a woman. Well, it's because you're not a woman. You're a dude. And unless I'm into dudes, I'm not going to date you. Uh, you know, right. it's but, – but then that gets rejected. See, then the other person is now transphobic. And we start calling names. That's how that congressional hearing uh, wound up, people calling each other a bunch of names and yelling about stuff. Um, but you can't have it if you're not going to talk about what the real issue is, the real issue in all of this. And, you, and there are lots of people you know, underneath this who are hurting, hurting in a lot of ways, lots of kids, lots of difficulties. There's, there's real things that should be discussed and talked about, but it's not really the agenda. The agenda right. is to break down the, the family, the nuclear family, ultimately. Um, and you do that in, in many ways. But one of them is, is you get rid of uh, – male and female. And if Could you do that, then, you know, you break it down. Ted, I appreciate your call. I got a bunch of calls. 888-528-2557. 888-528-2557. Uh, you know, I just have a few seconds left. So I see your calls, uh, Manuel and George and Owen. I'll get your calls when we come back from the break here in just a minute. Uh, and uh, you can call it is Open Line Friday. We got one segment left. <laughs> Number is 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. For baseball fans, uh, nobody has seen Shohei, Shohei Otani get off any airplane anywhere in the world yet. We'll be back as the Friday edition of the Pastor Scott Show continues. Stay tuned. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at pastorscott at kkla.com. Or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. Now, back to the show. Title IX was implemented by Congress to give women equal educational opportunities, including within federally funded school athletic programs. No, we're not there. Do we have a lot of work to do? You're doggone right, we, we do. But if this language gets in by the Biden administration, it will definitely not help women. I can assure you that. It will not help us on the progress route. The Biden administration's rule would would eliminate women's sports as we know it. The uh, that's Congresswoman Lisa McLean from Michigan at a hearing this week about uh, Title IX changes that would require schools who get federal funding to uh, allow for trans athletes on their uh, sports teams. So uh, biological men would be ha- forced to be allowed to be on women's sports teams, regardless of whatever advantages they might have. Otherwise, you lose your funding. And it changes fundamentally what Title IX was for. The reason for Title IX, the simple reason is because biologically, men are different than women and have uh, physical advantages when it comes to sports. That's the entire reason Title IX exists, so that women can participate in school sports. And by changing it, um, the belief is, and I think understandably, that that will end for a lot of women. You know, if a man, biological man, is, makes the team, well, then somebody's girl didn't make the team. 
You know, one of the actual women doesn't make the team. What if there are two people? What if it's a, a women's basketball team and there's one biological male on there? Well, that's one woman who didn't make the team. Now, what if there's two? What if it's three? What if it's all five players? Uh, that's uh, becoming a thing. 888-528-2557. We will talk about whatever you'd like today. It's Open Line Friday, 888-528-2557. Manuel in Huntington Park, welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. Yes, Pastor Scott, thank you for the show. I love your show that you bring up all these um, items, all these um, reasonable thank you, Manuel. issues that, that, that have uh, a lot to do with the way we live now. I have a solution, Dr. Pastor Scott. Okay. For the transgender, I think, because it's totally, totally unfair to women. I don't like the fact that they say uh, get used to losing. That's 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 yeah. That was the absurdity of the week that they were advised uh, by a woman to get used to losing. Yeah, see, that's not fair. And I'm with, with with the women to be fair to them. Why don't they have? We have to start bringing up our voice and say vote for why don't transgender compete with only transgender? Knock yourself out, buddies. Go ahead. Well, we talked about that. uh, Yeah, I talked about that right before the break. You might not have heard it. I know you're on hold. Uh, And the reason is, is because it's not the point. Uh, The point of the argument isn't even for these kids, right? The point of the philosophical argument is to say that a trans woman is a woman. And so to create a third league for that person uh, goes against the agenda. The agenda is to say that the trans woman is actually a woman, should be treated in every way like a woman. That's why she should be, or he should be, allowed in the girls' locker room. It's why this person should be allowed in the girls' showers and why they should be allowed on the women's team, um, regardless of what their situation is. You know, the the person who is uh, most famous for this, uh, Leah Thomas, the story about that person is that he has not had any you know, surgeries to change his physical appearance, that this person actually is attracted to women sexually uh, and yet is on the women's swim team and the school has told everybody that he's allowed to be in the showers with all the women and that the women are the ones who are wrong to be offended by that. Uh, that's nuts. But you see, the agenda isn't there to make sense. And that's, I think, the hard part with all of these issues is that the goal, we all say, most people say, and most people left and right agree, this makes no sense. Why would you do that? We're living in a world, and this gets into the controversies that happened in the, the at Harvard and Penn and all these schools with the anti-Semitism issue, is that there is an agenda of things that don't make any sense, and they've been taught for a long time. And the the higher education view of this, including the women in sports issue and all of this, is that we're going to force this change on the culture as a social contract, uh, because it's a social contract uh, con- uh, construct. And so men and women being biologically different, that's since they're going to teach that that's not true, if you're going to teach that, then you have to start acting as if it's not true. And that's actually the point. The point isn't to help somebody uh, be on a team who otherwise wouldn't be on a team. Or to, That's why the solution to have a third league doesn't work, because it's not the point. The point is to convince people that a person can actually, in every way, transition to the other gender. Right, uh, and that's the, that's the that is the the darkness of it is it doesn't make sense it's not true by any means, 
uh, and it hurts people at the end. Like, are these people who are being who are front and center on this, these trans people, uh, they will argue it's saving their lives or other stuff. But in, you know, where are they going to be in a while? What's actually going to happen? Uh, it's not going to go. They're not going to be accepted. And that is not good, uh, at least not in the way that they're trying to be. Uh, and uh, because it's just the reality of things. Manuel, thanks for calling the Pastor Scott Show. Um, oh, uh, Owen? Owen and Irvine, welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. Hey, Pastor Scott. I, um, I'm a, a scholastic club swim coach um, in Southern California. I've been coaching for, for almost a decade now, and, and I've really been struggling as a, as a Christian with how to a- approach this this topic, you know, with, with trans swimmers. I, I currently um, coach a, a pair of athletes who have not come out to me as, as transsexual, but other swimmers have told me that this is how they identify. And, and as a Christian, trying to, to teach, you know, we talk about teaching truth, beauty, and, and, and goodness, and, and I've had a really hard time trying to reconcile how do I, how do I approach these athletes um, you know, just over the years, I, I've tried to just be a, a role model and, you know, show them the things that, that I know to be true and good. But, but I really feel like I'm, I'm handcuffed currently, you know, working with these athletes in, in what I can say or do. Yeah, you, you're with Scholastic. So what age are you working with of the kid? So I'm, I'm working with um, high school age athletes. Okay, so they've, they've gone through puberty in many cases, right? So they're obviously biologically different these trans athletes correct how do the uh the girls deal with it it's it's something that and part of it might be that i'm you know i'm a coach and and i don't maybe see what's happening in the locker room or when they're they're chatting on their own um but they they seem to be accepting of it and i think that part of that is 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 kind of a political thing is for them that they if they weren't accepting of it, they would be ostracized, I think, by their their teammates. Yeah, there would be, there's a, and that's part of all of it, it's a threat, you know, so like the congressional testimony that began yesterday, um, the one of the opening statements was, we're here to hear from a bunch of transphobes, and the name-calling began right from the beginning, and and the way these things work is you shame people into being quiet, right, and you come up with, you know, you attach phobia to whatever, uh, which isn't really the right word. Nobody's afraid, right? A phobia is a fear, an irrational fear of something. Um, have you talked to parents? How do the parents of your female athletes uh, respond? I'll be completely honest. It's it's something that I, I don't even broach that conversation because I'm, I'm too afraid to, to even bring it up. I, I, I don't know how. Because you'll, 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 you'll lose your job probably. I, I, I have been, been told in the past, I have asked, you know, we, we have, you know, like a, a board that kind of governs our, our team. And I, I had asked, you know, what, you know, hypothetical, if I were to make a comment on this, you know, in my capacity as, you know, a coach, as leadership on the team, you know, what, what would happen? And, and the answer was, well, you wouldn't be here anymore. Right, you'll get fired. And that's, and that's the thing, right, is that the girls are going to be ostracized and called names or whatever else in their social groups, and you will lose your job. Um, that's where we're at uh, in the culture here. You know, what I think, number one, you should pray about it, obviously, and ask God for wisdom, okay? Because wisdom will help you navigate these things. It might be something where you need to lose your job. Uh, you know, I'm not telling you to do that right now. 
you need to minister in a way and represent Christ even to the trans athletes. You know, so there, it's one thing to talk about an issue like this in in generalities. It's another thing to have a kid with a name who is on your swim team and you know them, right? Uh, it changes how you have the conversation when it's in your life. Any of the any of the issues, you know. What I would ask, what I would think about, and I'm just off the top of my head here, is. Do you have conversations where you have open forum for the parents? Parents, how are you feeling about the team? Uh, and see what comes up. Because the people with the power here are the parents. You don't have power, you're going to get fired. The people with the power are the parents. And the parents need to go to school boards and the parents need to go to the uh, the administrators at your school. And maybe the parents are all for it. You know, the parents are sometimes they're for it until their kid gets cut from the team because of a guy who's on there. Then they're not for it anymore, but it's too late. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's a it's a it's a tough situation. And I, I think that that's great advice. So that would be I pray ask for wisdom. But I think that the power is with the parents um, still here. And I would. Encourage, and if they say something to you, encourage them to take it to your supervisors because you know you're going to get fired if you get into it, and maybe you're going to need to do that. That's but there's also ways I think to with wisdom to deal with these situations where you can do it in a loving way and address the realities. See, and the the thing is with these kids, and I'm almost out of time here, but and I've dealt with some kids who are going through the the trans thoughts and the dysphoria and stuff. There's a lot going on with these kids, a lot. And there's stuff going on at home. There's stuff that they've experienced often. Uh, it's a very rough place to be in. And the, they're being lied to by being told that you can be this because you can't. It, it won't work eventually. Uh, and that makes it worse. So go pray about it. And I would say the parents is the way. And if you're a parent, uh, thank you, Owen, for calling. George, I won't get to your call. I appreciate it. But we're out of time here. You know, in these things, folks, uh, parents matter. I was a friend of ours, a softball team, and they've got guys on the girls' teams, and all the parents are wondering what to do. It's the conversation in the stands, but there you go. The power's with the parents. You still have it. You're going to have to speak out. We've got an election year. We got There's a way to speak out in love on this and be truthful, and you have to do that. Lots more to say, but we're out of time for today. Everybody, Pastor Scott Show, follow me on socials at Pastor Scott Show. We'll see you next week. Good night. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.